Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Good evening, Razorback fans. Welcome to the Hog Talk Podcast, and we are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast. I'm your host, Porter Hayes of Sports and Culture Arkansas, and alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fight, and all live shows are presented by Arkansas Brewing Company in Ozark, Arkansas, as well as Bet Online, which remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from the Super Bowl season to esports. Bet Online features live game betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with first deposit. Make sure you use promo code BLEAV to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. And Jacob, before we start, if you see the shirt, I uh, yesterday took the plunge. I went on my very first ever polar plunge, and I'm telling you, um, it, it was it's cold, cold, wasn't it? it? It was very cold. Um, thank you to the Arkansas swim team for uh, allowing me to wear their cap that kept me warm, <laughs> and and I had to. But I'm telling you, um, nothing is more. Um, you you know when you usually jump in, you got to kind of tow your water in and kind of slowly. But when you're standing in a line and there's four kids next to you, you, you can't chicken out. You, you can't tell. You just got to go. And I'm telling you, I don't know how big my eyes got underwater, but it, it was uh, it was very cold. But they let us go get in a warm pool afterwards. It was for the Special Olympics and stuff. So it was uh, very rewarding. $37,000 they raised this weekend alone in polar plunges. With uh, more to come, so it was it was a lot of fun to be able to participate in that. Yeah, I did it one time for my sister back, man, probably fourteen years ago. That was cold, freezing cold, and uh, I was ready to get out of that pool. I will tell you that much. Well, <laughs> what was crazy is like you know I jumped in and I popped up. I'm ready to get out, and then I've got three, four <laughs> people in front of me. And they're just like like they're mall walking. I'm like, come on. <laughs> So it, it was uh it, it was rather uh I was glad to get out of the pool. But I say I'll say this, it wasn't as bad as what I thought. Um my right. wife was like, you know, prepare, take cold showers, and I'm nah, it'll be all right. Well I hit that cold water and I'm kinda wishing I would, but um oh, now nice. moving on to the, the, the important the main course of uh, of the podcast. Um both teams, I mean we we can group the men's and women's basketball teams kind of had some um, struggle wins against some uh, lower conference uh, seated teams and, and um, Arkansas hangs on to beat South Carolina 65 to 63 but more importantly five and five in SEC play big matchup coming up so I guess Jacob you know your your, your take on the game and do you think they were overlooking? The, the, the game and, and looking ahead to Kentucky, or do you think this is a team that can even be doing that right now? Arkansas can't. They, they can't overlook anybody, to be honest with you. They are, they're a team that, that needs to carve out a niche because you don't know if you're going to get Nick Smith back. You've got to find a flow in that offense. And for 
I would say maybe about 27 minutes of the ball game, they looked like an offensive uh, offensive team that that was built around good ball movement, great passing, uh, unselfish ball playing. Like I, I felt like they were they were looking good, and they built a 13 point lead uh, with about seven minutes to go, and then the game kind of changed. South Carolina made a couple of threes with Michi Johnson and. They were really fighting. I mean, South Carolina, they're they're not a very good basketball team, but they will they will nip at you and they'll nip at you. And when you have a bad team that kind of gets that momentum going, they I mean, get a little bit of uh uh juju on your side, man, and they'll they'll take it. And they'll they'll run with it. And and teams are dangerous when when uh they get momentum, especially bad teams. And that's that's one thing that uh I mean, you know, if Arkansas had lost this game. The NCAA tournament bids is, I mean, it's questionable if, if you even get into the tournament, even with a road loss of of, of this uh, of this kind. I mean, if Arkansas got away with a win, and that's what you take, and you go on, and you've won four straight conference games against uh, three pretty bad, bad teams, but you take it, wins a win, and you go into Kentucky on Tuesday night and hope for the best and, and knock them off in Lexington. This game was exactly what we were talking about last week. And oh, yeah. we were talking to Jackson about the 10 seed, 7 seed, and whatever. And this this is a true testament. Yeah. South Carolina had no business. 8 and 15, 1 and 9. They're 1 and 9 in conference. Had no business being in that game. But you see what Michi Johnson did. 5 from 8 from the three-point line. 6 of 13 overall. Had 20 points. Josh Gray also 9 of 14. 2 for 4 from the uh Free throw line and 20 points as well. And Hayden Brown had yeah. had no, but this tells you at this point in the season, anything can happen. And exactly like the Vanderbilt game yeah. against the women, when you get hot and you start hitting these threes at the end, right. you go on these big runs. They were seven for, for, they were five for 11 in the second half. South Carolina was. Arkansas was two for 10. So you're talking about you can't see how this happened, but if you look at that stat, you can see how it happened. You're trading threes for twos, and all of a sudden, you're scraping away for a win. Um, yeah, and and you're seeing them, Arkansas, they, they'll increase turnovers. Like, they'll get a little bit too aggressive, especially with a 13 or 14-point lead, and that's what Jimbo here says is, like, Arkansas can't hold leads, and that's a lot of the, of the, of the reason there is, is guys getting too big of a hurry, and they'll make an ill-advised pass or, or – They'll dribble too much, over dribble, and and turn the ball over, and you know it's just things like you you want to get away from because I mean that's what's going to cost you games in March if you do make the tournament is is doing the ill advised stuff, and and Devo has done a really good job of limiting that. He's really emerged as a leader, but uh, when it is your team and and you are the leader, you you need to hold guys accountable, like play more smart basketball. Like I will, I will take a, a bad Devo pass up thirteen or fourteen if it means he's going to come back down the next possession and drill me a three. And there were several times uh, on Saturday where I thought Arkansas made some uh, good stops, even after they made turnovers and bad passes and stuff like that, and turned around and and really defended well against South Carolina. But that Josh Gray, the seven footer for South Carolina, had no business. Uh, going for 20 points and and whatever he did 12 rebounds 13 rebounds the guy had no business doing that i mean he averages like three points a game yeah. that that didn't make sense to me like the guy had the game of his life Michi johnson had the game of his life too 
So, I mean, Arkansas's got to got to stop. It, it just mean, I mean, it's like again in football and baseball and basketball, it always seems like the guys that that end up playing hero ball are sometimes the guys that are the least likely to play hero ball. Well, it's all about matchups too. I mean, you, it is. this this team did beat Kentucky. I mean, that's I mean, yeah, their their one loss was against, or one win was against Kentucky. Yeah. Not saying that they should have the guy, a seven footer, but who are you putting against him? We don't have a six ten Jalen Williams this year. We don't have that guy that can go down there and body him all day. Right. So he's going to have a little bit more, you know, points. But you got to know your matchups. But Jamie says they got to learn how to win. That they need to have a three point shooter that you can count on. That that when a guy, when, when a team, say South Carolina, starts going on a run, you can count on somebody getting you a three pointer. To, to extend yeah. that leader, get you a two and then a three, a five-point, seven-point run, 7-0 run, to really stave these teams off. Because if a team comes in knowing Arkansas don't have that, you know, that three-point threat, I mean, they made four threes, four for 15 on, on the game, 26%. You, yeah. you, you're not going to beat the, the teams in March. No. You're not going to beat the teams shooting like that. Right. And Devo was the, I mean, he hit all four of those threes. He was four of eight, were four of nine from three. So he was shooting just over 40% from three. Uh, he's, he's got the confidence. You, if Ricky Council, I mean, if he'll stop and, and square up and on his threes, he'll make them. Yeah. Like he, he's a confident, he's a streaky shooter as long as he can, as long as he can get straightened up with his shoulders. Uh, Pinion, uh, Jimbo says something about Pinion here that he needs more time. I mean, I know that, you know, he's he's had a lot of opportunities to make threes and be that guy to to come out there and really start becoming that streaky, fearful shooter or fearless shooter. But there's there's sometimes like he's he's hot. Like he'll come off the bench fire and they're just they're just way off. And it's kind of like what Jalen Graham is defensively. Like offensively, you you can't afford to not have him out there on offense, but on defense like you, you, you had like one rebound in twenty minutes of play, one defensive rebound in twenty minutes of play. I think is what Eric Musselman said last night, and and you, you've got to do be more assertive to help on defense there as far as rebounding. Because I mean Arkansas, they are giving up way too many offensive rebounds uh, to their opponents. I think they've given up I think over twenty in the past two games. That's unacceptable. That's something that needs to be cleaned up. Uh, I mean, it's one thing to give up eight against uh, against Texas A&M, but it's something to give the same number up to a team like South Carolina. Well, and and here this is where the scouting comes in. If if this game would have been played a month ago, maybe South Carolina doesn't shoot that many threes. But teams are going to start. Look, they are they can't defend the three. They can't defend the three. Teams that are normally not shooting that well from the three point line are able to shoot. So, yeah. you know, and, and of course, at this point in the season, what's South Carolina got to lose? You know, sitting at, like I said, at the time, 7-14 and 14 and 1-8 and and in conference. Well, let's go get them. It's a, it's a home game. Maybe we can – and they did. They went on a run at home. and But we'll say this, you know, for the time being in this game, you know, Arkansas did shoot 9 for 13 for, from the free throw line. Yeah, it's 69%, but it's a lot better than, you know, it has been, been in the shooting. past. You know. If this Absolutely. team can just pull the whole game together, it's either the, fir- the first half, they've been really starting off slow, 
and then they get hot. But this one, I mean, they were 15 for 26 in the first half, and then they went 11 for 29 in the second. But they only shot two for 10. So they took half. And that's another thing, too. When I will critique it is if you're holding on to the lead, they're taking too many threes when they need to limit the other team's possessions to get back in the game. And you, you shoot twice yeah. as many threes in the second half than you did the first half. But, you know, a win's a win. And, and what we're, we're glossing over is, is since that four-game losing streak, they're win four of their last five, only losses to Baylor. So we're still winning. We're back to that five and five like we talked about, hoping to get to that 500 mark before this game against Kentucky because it's the fact this is a big game. I don't care what Kentucky's record is, but – you know, Kentucky's on a bit of – I think they're uh, – seven out of their last eight, their only loss was to uh, Kansas. Well, I'm talking about the last seven, eight games. Yeah, they lost to South, oh, they sorry. Lost to South sorry. Carolina. But their only loss since that was that 68-77 loss in Rupp against Kansas. But they've – since that Kansas game, they've beat Ole Miss, Florida, and it, – they uh, both are under 10 points. They beat Ole Miss by nine, and they beat Florida in Rupp 72-67. to 67. So, don't let that fool you, though, because we, we come into this game, you thinking that um, it's, it's going to be a cakewalk in South Carolina, and then you see what happens. You cannot let Kentucky come back on you in the second half. They'll, they'll run you out of the gym. They'll turn a two-point game into a 15-point lead. Like, that's just Kentucky being oh, yeah. Kentucky. And in Kentucky, they're they're always going to be that team. And I, I left a couple of notes on my Twitter account this morning about the Arkansas and Kentucky series. Arkansas holds a 2-3 and three record – or 2-1 and one record uh, against Kentucky under Eric Musselman. They are 2-3 and three against Kentucky when both teams are unranked. The past four meetings have been decided by seven points or less. Uh, they're four and fifteen overall at Kentucky, and only won back-to-back road games there one time, and that was the ninety-two, ninety-three, and ninety-three, ninety-four teams. And the Razorbacks have only won three consecutive games. They have won the last two games against Kentucky, but have only won three consecutive games against the Wildcats one other time. And that was in 2013 with a 73-60 victory and a season sweep that includes the Michael Qualls dunk at the buzzer at, uh, in overtime. And all three of those games were under Mike Anderson. So Arkansas has a has their work cut out for them historically because they've only won four games uh, at Kentucky in Rupp Arena, and they've only they I, I was so surprised when I when I pulled it up on Hogstats.com that how many times Arkansas has beaten Kentucky, and it's not that many times. They're 8-8 eight eight overall at home, 4-15 on the road, 1-10 on neutral courts, 13-33 all-time versus Kentucky. Incredible. The, the, the good thing that when you look at uh, Kentucky's stats is they only average 6.93s a game. And that's that's yeah. good because, you know, when you looked at the Alabama and the South Carolina and the Baylor, they were averaging nine, ten threes a game. So that, that's where you're really going to have to – but this is going to be a physical game. And I think yeah. this is my opinion on it. Um, and I think this goes for fo- both fan bases. This is going to be a big game, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock their time. I think it's going to be one of them, and it just depends on how the refs call it. 
I think this is, could be one mm-hmm. of those games where, just like the Baylor game, that they're going to call it tight or, or whatever. But if, as long as they call it consistently through the game, we're okay. But if they come out in the second half and start calling this thing tight off a whim or just to start, mm-hmm. then it's going to be it's going to be bad. But as a team, they're only shooting sixty nine percent as a team free throw percentage. Um, you go to their individuals. They have four guys over 10 points a game. That's going to be one of them things where that's going to be an issue. They've got more scores than Arkansas when it comes to double-digit scores. And uh, she weighs averaging 15 and 13 a game. 15.9 points a game and 13.6 rebounds a game. So we haven't even really talked about him much that year, and he's having (laughs) an average double-double. So as long as yeah, he don't paint, you know, stand inside the paint for uh, you know ten years, like he's probably still in the baseline from the last game, Arkansas. But um, yeah. he will eat Arkansas alive if Arkansas allows Shebway to to offensive rebound like he was, like uh, like he's capable of. He had a pretty monster performance last year in Bud Walton Arena. Uh, he had thirty, yeah, thirty points on thirteen to twenty one shooting eight offensive rebounds and 10 defensive rebounds and three blocks. Like he was a stalwart down low last year. And that's what Arkansas is going to have to get away from is they're going to have to figure out ways. Like Arkansas has all the size in the world to be able to compete and be able to stop Sheepway. It's they've got to learn how to be more physical. And if Arkansas has got to keep a, a, stay off of fouling because that's one of the big things that Arkansas had issues with is guys in the three, four, and five positions fouling repetitively. Like being able to stay fresh but also play defense without fouling is going to be huge. And you know as well as I do how Kentucky gets calls at, uh, at Rupp Arena. I remember Rick Schaefer, I think, is, is – uh, or I don't, it may not have been Rick Schaefer, but – I remember somebody saying, "Oh, Kentucky deserved that call on the radio because they're <laughs> Kentucky. Yeah. They get they they. It's just like Alabama football. They get the privilege because they are Kentucky. They 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 are that program, and and that's that's what Arkansas's got to stay away from is fouling, uh, fouling too many times and then letting Sheepway camp in the lane." Yeah, and, and Florida did a good job. They only held him to four points. And, and I guess he was in yeah. foul trouble because he did foul out of the game. So, but he still had 15 rebounds. And in yeah, an I effort. Like the, sorry, go ahead. I said in a game where he only, he only went two for 14 shooting and 15 rebounds, they beat Kentucky or they beat Florida 72 67. So that tells yeah. you. But they had Wallace scored 20, Frederick had 12, and Toppin had 17. So they got some talent yeah. and they got some scores. And they have Severe Wheeler, too, that they've been tinkering with all season long, too. He's a really good point guard out of transfer out of, uh, out of uh, Georgia. That uh, He's been there. I'm surprised he's been at Kentucky as long as he has. I think it's his second year, but thought he would have gone out last year. But he's a guy that Arkansas has got to keep away from being able to play pick-and-pop basketball. I mean, that like being able to protect the baseline down low – Play a lot more help defense. I mean, I don't. I know you. They only they only shoot like what six threes a game. I think is what you said earlier. Six point nine. So give them as many. Seven. Give them as many threes as you can give them because they're probably not going to make them. But as long as you can stay up and stay physical in the lane without fouling, I think Arkansas has a chance to win this game. 
Uh, I do like what Jimbo says here with the offensive game from Math Anthony Black. Uh, we saw, I mean, we've seen it throughout the year where Anthony Black is able to drive to the lane just off the sure size alone. He's six seven, six eight, uh, a big physical body point guard. If he can get down downhill and and get to the basket, I think Arkansas has a chance there uh, to have some success on offense. I disagree. He has to do that consistently. I disagree. You disagree? Mm-hmm. All right, tell me. Because we can't. You're going to be going up against Sheboy. You're going to be going up against. Yeah. You're driving the lane against some enforcers, some inside guys. They're looking to block your shot. All right. With that comes yeah. physicality. He's already nursing a knee. We've already got two yeah. guys out. I think at this point in the season, if you have an open lane and a layup, take it. But I think if you're taking your guard and you're being over aggressive, you're risking him get injured. And in a game like this, in a pivotal point of this season, where look, we still get to play them again at Budwall. <clears throat> I'm not saying, hey, let's let let's wash our hands of this one. Let, let's. Uh, just go into this thing and we're going to lose the game. But you got to know, look, long ter- long road. You, you know, you're you're trying to play chess while everybody else is playing checkers. You still got Mississippi yeah. State, Texas A&M, Florida, Georgia, and then you've got Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. A three-game stretch. So after this game, you've got a little bit of leeway where, I mean, it's still a tough road. But I think at this point, say you lose, say, say Black goes down with – uh, you know, knee soreness, and he's out two weeks. That's Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Florida, and then Georgia. His first game back would be Alabama. I mean, you, you can't at this time you don't have the depth where you can risk that. If, again, if he has yeah. it and he's taking it and he's getting it, but also you've got to worry about the charges. You've got to worry about this is at Kentucky, so you're going to have a guy that's going to be maybe camped up taking those charges and you get two fouls on Black or you get two fouls on Walsh, you get two fouls on Devo early in this game. You know, they're, they're averaging as many as assists they are turnovers. So you cannot let Kentucky use anything to their advantage to stay in this game or get a game and gain that momentum. Yeah. So and that's just my that's my take on it. Yeah, and Arkansas, I mean, there were so many times last year and even the past two seasons where they've been able to lean on a guy like J.D. Note to get them, get them their offense going. And I, I don't get that from anybody uh, really right now, and I think that's what they were depending on Nick Smith to be was that guy that was a J.D. Note type of player, the alpha scorer, but being able to go out there and – and be twice as productive as what J.D. Note was. Maybe scoring on more of the field goals that he shot, being able to uh, convert more of those baskets. I think that's what Arkansas is missing as far as as, uh, being able to go over the top because they're a dang good team even without Brazil and without Smith. Like, if you would have told me you you take off those two guys and you play off play the majority of the season without them and they're at this point where they are 5-5 five and five in conference play, I, I mean, I would – you know, I would have called you a liar because I, I mean, I knew this team was athletic and freaky good. Uh, like at, uh, as far as being able to get to the rim and, and being able to score the lane. But like, if you can get a guy like that coming back in, I know I don't think he's going to come back and play against Kentucky because if, if 
you don't just come back to your first game and go and play on the road to Kentucky because that's it's already a rocket's environment. And you're trying to get back into the flow of things. I just don't I don't know if that's a good a good spot to bring a guy back from injury. But the way these guys are playing with confidence, winning four out of the last five, I think Arkansas has some momentum on their side. They can play with confidence and they can go out there and feel a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit easy and be able to play within themselves. Whether where you know the past couple of games they've had to fight and fight and fight to get back to five hundred, I think they can play a little bit more free and, and within themselves, and hopefully try to go knock off a, uh, and win at Kentucky for just the fifth time in school history. Yeah, and you know in SEC play, Devo and Ricky's averaging fourteen and a half a game. Anthony Black's yeah. twelve. So I mean, Devo's really stepped it up. I mean, again, he only had three turnovers. I mean, 11 is a team, three. So, he's yeah. getting better. He's getting – got to realize, you know, we talk about this leadership role. Now he's got to step up in, in that athletic, in that general, floor general type of way that he's not used to, just like Anthony Black was not used to. So, right. I think now that they're starting to settle in, they've won four out of their last five. They've got a very important game. You know, this would be another one to get a win. You know, they're only one in four. In, oh, in away games or four and one at home. So this will be another one to really you talk about that RPI and talking about ro- winning a key road win. You get two road wins in a row would be huge for this team. And the fact Absolutely. that I think the team and Jamie said, let's talk about the elephant in the room and, and says, is Nick Smith done? I think he's coming back. And I think that they have done, you know, I've criticized it in the past, but I think they know when he's coming back. Because I think that you can tell it in the team. They've settled down, really took the role of Devo's coming up. So I think the team knows when he's coming back. And it's very been very hush-hush on when he's coming back. When that is, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think he's coming back. I think that was one of the things that they need to clear the air. I think the, the, the team needed to know just as much as the fans, but they're going to let the team know way ahead of time. So I think he's coming back. Oh, yeah. They're the it, it's like one of them uh behind closed doors meeting of when he's coming back. So that I think that's really light you're talking about lightening the team up, taking the edge off, you know, and taking some weight off their shoulders is gonna be huge for this team when he does come back. Yeah. Uh and then uh Jimbo asked, uh, what's the spread on the game? Uh I work I have a relationship with Bet Saracen. They don't have their odds out yet, but uh, DraftKings, this is the first one that came up. Arkansas is favored by two and a half uh, and on the road. But then ESPN's basketball power index is, gives uh, the Cats a 59.2% chance uh, uh, for the win. And then uh, Ken Palm gives uh, – oh, that's from last year. I'm so dumb. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't see – I mean – Arkansas being one and four away, I don't see how they would. Now, like I said, I'm not trying to say Arkansas is going to lose the game, but I don't see how you would give them a a, a road favorite. I don't see. I don't see. Okay, DraftKings does not have it. Action doesn't have it. We'll try. What about that? I don't see any current odds. They usually don't release the odds until like the night before the game, like 24 hours. Uh. Yeah, I don't see anything up yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a very important game 
nevertheless, and and to get absolutely, you know the the win against Kentucky boost that momentum because you you're still playing for seating, you're still playing for conference seating, you're still you know climbing your way up to the top, and you're sitting at five hundred. You need to stay above five hundred as much as you can throughout, and this is going to be one of them games where. You lose, you're, you're what, five and six. You know, Absolutely. you've got a bunch of people ahead of you. There's, you know, you've got Auburn and Tennessee still ahead of you. Alabama looks like they're going to, you know, it's all but theirs to win the conference again But uh, because they're 10 and 0. But you've got Missouri ahead of you, Florida ahead of you, Kentucky, Auburn, Texas and Tennessee, and Alabama. So, but you yep. have the, the good thing is. You get Alabama again. You get Mississippi State. You get Florida, Georgia. You get everybody in front of you other than Auburn again, I believe. Yeah. And Arkansas has a chance to get four quad one wins. But guess what, Porter? There are three of them are on the road. Well, and, and now's a good time. You know, everybody wants to, to talk about the, this year, this this regime from the last. They weren't getting any road wins in the last regime, so at least they're getting no. some this go around. Um, th- this team's starting to gel, come together, and play as a team. I think some of the guys that um, when you come to a new team, and this is what I was thinking about the other day. You know, you come to a point to where you're trying to fit in with a new team, you get jailed a new team, and then you start realizing. Your college career is about done, and some of these guys aren't going to go pro. No, and now you're, you're you're enjoying the excitement of being in a new school, fitting in, playing ball, and then at what point during the last part of this SEC season do guys really start kicking it up? Like, all right, it's time to step it up. You know, my time is it's about done as as a collegiate athlete. You know, I love it here at Arkansas. The fans are welcoming me with open arms, and I don't want this to end. So now it's okay. Now let's step it up. So I mean, you got to think about that too when you're talking about these transfers, these seniors, these these in-state kids. Pinion, you know, he gets in, starts really getting out of the the freshman zone and like playing more like a sophomore and a junior now. You know, you you never know what's going to happen in these last two to three weeks. But I, this is this is going to be one of the toughest. I mean, back ends that I can remember. I mean, oh, an yeah. SEC slate happen. I mean, you got Kentucky, Mississippi State, and you know Mississippi State happens to be down. If they were like the Mississippi State of old, uh, what was it? Stansberry was that the coach there? And, and yeah, this, Stan, yeah, and they could yep. just never hardly beat that guy. I don't know what it was. How he just had Arkansas's number. Then you got Florida, Georgia, and then Bama, of course, Tennessee, and Kentucky to end the season, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough stretch, but hopefully, you know, like I said, this team comes together and we'll uh, go to a break here in a second. You got any last thoughts before we had a break? No, good, man. I'm, I'm good. Let's, let's uh, hit the break and we'll come back yeah. and talk some more. Yeah, well, when we come back from the break, we'll just uh, recap, um, look, at, look ahead of the season and what the, pi- pi- the probability of the, these wins. 
Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's staylortrucking.com. McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They are located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121. And we want to welcome you back to the Hog Talk podcast. And with all the basketball stuff, we got baseball coming up soon. Really excited about that. And we're going to deep dive into that in, here in the next couple of weeks. But one thing we haven't really talked about, Jacob, was the football and, and with Enos and Enos, Woodson, and Wilson being introduced to the uh, football program, National Signing Day. So, uh, I guess just give us a little recap of, you know, in-depth what you thought about the signing class. And, of course, you know, with the addition, there was so much drama, I think, with the unpacking of how Browse left and then was going to come back and then left. And I don't think we've given it a fair shake to – you know, really evaluate the coaching, what you think this is going to do for the program, recruiting. Are they going to be able to keep some of these kids? Uh, just what are your thoughts on how Arkansas did with the coaching hires and with the uh, re- re- National Signing Day? So as far as, like, the coaching hires go, you you get some guys that, you know, you, you lose guys that are name guys. You, you had Barry Odom that people knew who he was, and then you knew Kendall Browles. Everybody knew who Kendall Browles is. Like, those, you, you as far as name guys go, you're you're dropping off a little bit. You didn't upgrade as far in the name department and all, but you, you've got to think of, well, you look at UCS defense, and they play in one of the better group of five conferences, the American Athletic Conference, and that's where Travis Williams was the defensive coordinator. And uh, he was recently hired as Arkansas's defense coordinator. And I really think that they made a good hire. Uh, UCF led the uh, AAC in scoring defense, uh, red, so, red zone defense, and uh, third down conversion defense. Three places that Arkansas struggled at this past season. <laughs> I mean, when we say struggle, Arkansas really struggled <laughs> defensively this past year. And so getting him – uh, not only as a coach, but as a really good recruiter. You look back to his days at Auburn, and he was stellar. Like, he he could get some dudes in here. And we've already seen Arkansas's uh, uh, visitors. Like, some of these visitors they've had come in have been great. Like, five stars, top 100 guys. Uh, and I know it's the new hire thing. It's a flashy hire, and, and kids are going to be really interested in seeing what – what this new school has uh, that that their coach, that the guy that's recruiting them, uh, where where he's at. But you got to think about it. Once you get them in there, that's the first part of recruiting and being able to have a chance. 
and Travis Williams and 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 uh, Coach uh, Woodson. Uh, they have done a really good job of elevating the caliber of player that Arkansas has been able to get on campus. Uh, you you think about Dan Enos. Enos is he's been here before, and I think we discussed it a couple of weeks ago when it actually happened. Uh, we went, I think I really went into detail with it in a uh, Twitter space that I had. Uh, the day it happened, the day Arkansas officially hired Dan Enos. And I said that Dan Enos was not going to run the same type of offense that we saw him run at Arkansas before. Because if you didn't keep up with Dan Enos from the time that he was at uh, Alabama, Maryland, and Miami, and just going off of what he did at Arkansas the first time, you're you're giving the guy a fair shake, like uh, a fair chance at being able to give him a chance as, as offense coordinator now. Because he's going to kind of run the same kind of offense as what uh, what Browles has run, kind of maybe more wide open passing wise. Because Maryland was like a top fifteen pass offense a couple of seasons ago, and then last year they were like ranked in the thirties and and ranked in like the fifties in rushing, so they were more balanced last year. Uh, but I think Arkansas was a very uh, solid, a very solid hire with Danny Notes there, um, and then you had Darren Wilson who. Uh, has a very good pedigree as far as coaching goes. If uh, you you hear the last name Wilson and, and and you automatically think, oh, he's from Louisiana. Oh, he's Frank Wilson's uh, nephew. Uh, if you know Frank Wilson, Frank Wilson uh, was a wide receivers coach or running backs coach at LSU, a guy that's a really good recruiter. Uh, Darren was at Florida this past season as a quality control defensive backs coach. But he was he coached the defensive backs and safeties at UTSA uh, under uh, Jeff Trailer, who was a former Arkansas uh, assistant coach under Chad Morris, who's won 31 games in his time at UTSA as a first-time college football head coach. So obviously he's been around some really good coaches, the guys that he can learn around. And Larry, or with with uh, Frank Wilson being his uh, uh, uncle. Like, that bodes well because you're going to be able to learn from some of the best coaches in, in football. And so I really think Darren's a solid hire as a 10th assistant. Uh, he'll be coaching defensive backs with uh, Coach Woodson, Marcus Woodson. Uh, we thought for a while, uh, you know, he was – we thought for a while Sam Pittman's really taking his time on this defensive back coach hire, this 10th assistant coach hire. Uh, who's he going to get? Is it going to be some retreat? You no, know, it's a young guy that's really motivated in recruiting, and that's what Arkansas needs. I think as far as X's and O's, they had really good coordinators and assistant coaches, uh, but as far as like recruiting and X's and O's, I think Arkansas kind of upgraded there uh, as far as at least in the recruiting department, but we'll see uh, in spring practice what we'll, I mean, we'll kind of get a mock of what we what we can expect, but I think Arkansas is in a good spot to at least uh, kind of be in the same situation as they were or maybe even in a better situation than uh, they were this past season. I think with Enos, you're, you're, you're getting a Barry Odom. You're, you're getting an offensive Barry Odom. Somebody who, you know, wants to be with Sam Pittman, wants to come back. And I think a lot of it, when you're thinking about nostalgia and you think about how things ended the first time these guys were at Arkansas and how Bielema just – you know, did what he did. I think part of it's like Pittman's like, let's run this back. Let's let's see what would happen if let's treat it like we never left. 
I'm the head coach. You're the offensive coordinator. Let, let's go and, and see what we can do. We don't have that distraction that we did with b anymore. Another thing, every single person that he's brought on like that has SEC experience. Yes. That is the most important thing when it comes to – and Travis Williams and Marcus Woodson coach together at Auburn. So yep. they have that – you're talking about that co-defensive coordinator. I think it's very – it's imperative. You know, you have these two guys. They know how to work with each other. So you're making them co-defensive coordinators, and you got Enos as your lone offensive coordinator. He's got somebody who's worked with a bunch of quarterbacks, and, and he knows what it's like to mold these quarterbacks. What is KJ wanting to do? Go to the NFL. What guy do you think that you can bring in in one year has the best shot of anybody that can develop him better to be a better quarterback to get to the NFL? Dan Enos. Because he, he's, you know, he's here not to play around. He's not here to look for the, you know, everybody was talking about, you know, Kendall Browse. He was a very good play caller, but I think the reason why he wasn't here at Arkansas because he was worried about the grass being greener on the other side. And I have had a saying for years that if you're worried about watering the grass on your own side of the fence, you ain't got to worry about it being greener on the other side. I mean, if you really look at the grand scheme of what Browse could have had, could have done if he would have just kept his head to the ground, learned on his craft, and worried about staying here in Arkansas, he could have built something special and ended up taking a head coaching job at Arkansas. But he chose to sit there and, You're right. you know, dan- he wanted to go dance with Duke and Miami and Mississippi State, and now he's at TCU. All right. So that just shows you if, if you're really looking for other things, you didn't want to be here in the first place. So I, d- I don't know if – and this is what kind of worries me a little bit. Because now is Arkansas going to get that stamp of this is a stepping stone job? I'm going to come here to Arkansas. I'm going to boost a team that's two and ten or three and seven or six and seven. I'm going to get them to eight and five. I'm going to be looked at like a king, and then I'm going to get another job. So hopefully, yeah. this new coaching staff changes that narrative for me. Because you look at Odom. I didn't honestly. I swear when he said he was leaving for UNLV, it shocked me. We knew Kendall Riles was looking, and, and we I, there was signs of him leaving last year. And then when he tried to double dip and keep trying to reach his hand to the cookie jar and get more money, under your chip was like, uh-uh, that's not happening. So, with Enos coming in <clears throat> and the talent you got around, and I'm telling you the, the style of offense he wants to run, I think he's going to get these the, the offensive line in shape. He's going to get – you know, KJ now has his core back, his running backs. Now, he knows he can hand the ball off to two or three guys that are going to get him three to four yards a carry. That's crucial. He's going to get three to four yards a carry. But it's very imperative that over the offseason he works with his wide receivers because if he opens up that passing game, that's the only thing that really lacked this year. You, you had If yeah. you would have had a guy like Traylon Burks this year on this year's team, they had won eight, nine games. You can't tell me otherwise because they did. They won seven games without a, a true. You you can't argue without a true wide receiver. You didn't have a a wide receiver one this past year. You were relying on KJ's feet, Rocket's feet, and I think after you know is all said and done, I think Rocket got wore at wore down. And, and, oh yeah, and, and when you're playing in and the it's, SEC, it's, that's going to happen. You're absolutely right. 
Uh, I wanted to bring up what Danny knows was able to do as an offensive coordinator at all his stops. Uh, my, uh, you know, as I work uh, for Arkansas Fight with SB Nation, there's various college football sites, uh, team reps, and uh, the Miami rep, uh, I can't find the name, the State of the U, uh, they did a detailed look at the quarterbacks that uh, Danny knows coached over his career. Uh, at Michigan State, he had Drew Stanton, Kirk Cousins. Uh, we, I mean, Drew Stanton was one uh, was a good backup. Kirk Cousins, obviously, has been been around the league for a while. He was picked in the fourth round uh, of the NFL draft. Uh, second, it was like one of the two quarterbacks that was picked that year by Washington. Uh, the first one was Robert Griffin the third, who was, you know. I mean, and Kirk Cousins has lasted long, <laughs> way longer than Robert Griffin has, and and is still really doing well. Uh, Cooper Rush at Mich- uh, Central Michigan, as you know, that's Dak Prescott's backup. And a lot of people uh, <laughs> are wanting Cooper Rush to get more PT than Dak. <laughs> uh, obviously, you have Brandon Allen, uh, who was uh, really good at Arkansas. He's a backup at uh, Cincinnati. Uh, obviously Austin Allen was pretty solid under Dan Enos and, uh, uh, his two seasons there ended up getting some, uh, invites to NFL combine, but did not make a roster. Uh, you think about Tua Togavaloa. Uh, I think that Tua said that, uh, no, it was, it, no, it was Jalen Hurts in his one season under, under Dan that he was able to develop as a passer yeah, at Alabama, uh, yep. at Alabama. and then uh, I'm trying to think, uh, yeah, he coached Tua. That's another NFL quarterback, starting quarterback there. And then you have uh, Tulia, Tulia, is that Tulia, how you say, yeah. say his uh, brother's his name brother, up there in yeah. Maryland, who's a potential uh, uh, NFL quarterback himself. Uh, and then you've got KJ Jefferson to work with like Dan Enos. He's, he's, got a stamp on a lot of good offensive players in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. So, I mean, yeah, I know that KJ uh, Jefferson struggled as far as his intermediate passes from uh, 20 to uh, 20 yards over the middle of the field, but you've got a really good offensive coordinator that can develop him, uh, Porter. Well, and who did he KJ have a tight end to throw to this year? He had uh, no – Okay. Who did he have? <laughs> but I'm, I mean, I'm being realistic. I'm not, but I'm not digging. I mean, Trey Knox, he improved. Yes. Yeah. But we're talking about the yeah. intermediate passing. He had his running backs to throw to, which if you, it, it's almost like a one-dimensional. You've only got one guy, and that's your running backs yeah. to throw to. Really, you didn't have that slant guy. We were talking about the, you know, in the the yeah. off season or the preseason, how important it is. You got to have a deep threat, a guy where you can go over the middle or get those third down catches and tight end. He didn't have nobody. So, yes. Some of it was on his footwork and his, but he was being pressured. He was running Absolutely. and trying. You know, there was a lot of it was 50 50. Half of it was on his footwork, his throwing, and his accuracy, but there was a lot of it. He didn't have nobody to throw to. So hopefully, with, with you know, you got Hazelwood and Landers coming back, and that's just as important as having, you know, we were talking about the importance of Kendall Browse and. KJ being that second year. Now KJ's going to be in his third year. He's going to have a guy like Enos who knows what it's like to be at Arkansas. You're talking about you're not having to come in and try to think about the culture of Arkansas and trying to change things. You know what Sam Pittman wants. You've been here before, and you've got a veteran quarterback. 
you've got to worry about him trying to connect with two receivers. If you just get two of these guys where you have a dual threat and then you let some of these tight ends that you want to come up and get them some reps too with your running back, they have a chance to be, you know, really good. But yeah, the schedule is – I think it's this next indeed. year – I yeah, think this – But it's manageable. It's worse. I think this schedule is more, more really? difficult. Yes. Because Tell me. If, if you Tell think me about this, because you play your first four games at home. You got Western Carolina, Kent State, BYU, your first three games. Then you go to LSU. Then you've got that dawning game in our world. Then you go to Ole Miss, and then you go to Alabama. So if you think about one, two, stretch. three, four, five, six, your first seven games, you could be three and four before you even really get to the last, you know, before October 21st. Then you got Mississippi State. Then you've got Florida, which I, I can't remember the last 25, 30 years since they played Florida at Arkansas. <laughs> I think it seems like. But, but I, mean, I don't I, think they've I, ever played uh, Florida at home in, in the whole time they've been in the SEC, Porter. <laughs> That's a joke. That's sarcasm. I'm being honest. That's sarcasm. Yeah, I was about to say, but I was it, there it the game. Like it's been, yeah. been a while. I think it was 2003 the last time I remember. <laughs> I mean, D, being now, I was there in 2016 okay. when they put a whooping on them, but <laughs> – but it feels like Arkansas plays at Florida more times than they play it, play them in Gainesville. And and that's the reason why I say that is you go over that four game stretch of you're not playing in Fayetteville. Yeah. From September 17th, this is the day I'm going the day after the BYU game. You're not playing in Fayetteville from September 17th until October 21st. Wow, a whole five weeks. That's just crazy. And I know that Arkansas, they played a lot of home games this past season. And so it's every it's every other year where you had to play the LSUs, the Ole Miss, and Alabama on the road. Now, I mean, what about where do you look around the conference and you think, is LSU, are they going to be any better than what they were this past season? Can they capitalize off of, their SEC championship game appearance in a 63-7 throttling of Purdue in their bowl game. Like, yeah. like that was a surprise. Like, like what Brian Kelly did have, with 61 scholarship players. Yeah, yeah. And then you have Alabama uh, that's turning to Tommy Reese as their offensive coordinator and Kevin Steele as their defensive coordinator. And I know that people are not very thrilled at Alabama as, as those two coordinator hires. But look, you got plug-and-play guys. Like, you still got Nick Saban. Sorry. Yeah, and you got Nick Saban. Got, like, yeah. that, that's the thing. And you've got plenty of talent at your disposal. Like, if you fail at that job with the talent that you have, like, you will get run out of town. And, like, and, and, and then you think about Ole Miss, and then they've, they've got, they have upgraded at the quarterback position with Spencer Sanders and uh, the kid from LSU, Walker Howard, coming over to go along with Jackson Dart. Like, that quarterback race in the spring is going to be phenomenal to watch. You think about Mississippi State. Mississippi State may be a little bit down just because of the the. Uh, That's gonna, off, it's going to be an emotional year. Like it's, it's, it's going, going to be, be yeah. weird. It's going to it's be, going to be an emotional, emotional season. It's going to be hard for them. But they return Will Rogers, and like you know, he will play out of his mind. This is going to be his last year of college ball. You then you think about uh, uh, Auburn. Like, what are they going to look like? That's that's a team that's a wild card in my opinion. You get them at home, 
But what is a Hugh Freeze Auburn team going to look like? Because they haven't recruited very well. They didn't do really, really well on the transfer portal. But we know what uh, Hugh Freeze was able to do the year before he started cheating <laughs> at Ole Miss. They, they, they were pretty good. They, I mean, they were stout that year. They went seven and six. Uh, but they, were, they, they turned around pretty quick. And then you look at Arkansas. And I, I look at it. I try to look at it without my hog color glasses on. It is hard to do. But you've got your red shirt senior quarterback. You've got three running backs that are phenomenal, and you get another one out of Florida. You, you've added some height and strength and in, into in, in your wide receiver room, which I think this up and down this wide receiver room is probably going to be better than the one that they had this past year. Uh, and then offensive line, you lose. Uh, you lose your center, and, and you lose your right tackle. You're going to have to plug and play, but Sam Pittman's recruited very well at the offensive line. I want to see what they can do, how they line up defensively. And, I'll, I mean, if, if they look smooth in the transition over to the Travis Williams defense, I'll be more optimistic. But Arkansas is probably going to have to win a lot of games with their offense next season. I think that's why they – recruited heavily to guys that were very successful FCS players and and recruited really well at on the offensive side of the ball in this class because they've got to they've got to figure things out offensively or they're going to have to they're going to end up having to win a lot of shootouts in my opinion. What really what really scares me about this is of all the seasons they're going to need depth. This is the mm-hmm. next season. But the good thing is, this is the thing. We're, you know, th- I know this is Sam Pittman's third, fourth year. I don't, however, you want to play out the COVID year, you know. But yeah. you've got a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. So you kind of get a little bit of a pass. But then again, you're looking beyond next year. Who's going to be your quarterback after KJ? Who's going? You know, you're, you're looking at years mm-hmm. where you need to keep building. But man, I'm just telling you, with Brian Kelly, what he's done at LSU. And then what, the week after that, hey, let's go play Jimbo and old Bobby Petrino in, in Arlington. After that, hey, let's go play Lane Kiffin in Oxford, Mississippi. Oh, after that, hey, let's go play Saban in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You know, those four games, I, and I, I want to put this out there. Name me a four-game stretch that has been as brutal as that four-game stretch that's going to be coming up. I mean, legit. I'm legit. looking. I, I can't find one. I mean, because it's legit. And the and another thing, you look at A and M, and Auburn, and Missouri. Those are games where they've been 50-50. Games where you yeah. need to win those games because you look at LSU, you look at Alabama, and you look at like the Georgias, the, the upper tier teams that you know you're probably you're not on their level yet. So those games against A and M, the game against Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Auburn, Missouri. Those are very important. You cannot draw you if you want to go to a bowl game. You cannot lose the Missouri game. You cannot lose the Mississippi State game, and you're gonna to have to have a toss up where you're gonna to have to win either the Texas A and M or the Ole Miss game. You, you can't yeah. lose any of those games because you're looking at another six. I mean, because if you you win Western Carolina, Kent State, BYU, you're probably gonna win. It might be tough, but so you start three and zero there. Got Florida International. There's four wins. Yeah. All right. Where, where's the other three, two, two to three wins going to be? It, it's it's manageable, but where those winnable games come at in the season of Mississippi State at Florida, 
you're coming after that four-game stretch. So you're going to have yeah. to have your depth in line or this is going to be a really good year or it's going to be another – it's going to be a playout just like it did last this past season. We you're have right. the potential. We have the potential to have eight – win eight games. But yes. it depends on – if you go within that stretch of that, that two – say you go two and two. Say you lose at LSU, Texas a and win, you beat Ole Miss, and then you lose at Alabama. That, to me, is going to be a win. If you can win yeah. two of those games, that's going to be a win. Yeah. The the thing that we need to see is what kind of effort they're going to have this fall. Because we, we remember, like, last this past season, max effort was not seen every single game. Like, it would vary between the first half and the second half sometimes. Like, and it all started during that Texas A&M game when K.J. fumbled the ball at the goal line and the momentum swung to Texas A&M and, and the season just felt like a wash the rest of the year. What kind of effort are we going to see? And we have guys like Pooh Paul has, who's come up and, and and said that I'm going to lead this defense. They are going to be under me, and, and I'm going to take them as far as we can take them. I don't know what your take is on that, but it's good to see guys verbally say that I'm leading this team. This is my defense, and this is our time. That's what I don't think Arkansas had verbally in the locker room compared no. to what they had in 2021 with Grant Morgan and Traylon Burks. Well, I mean, and you lost your 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 key. You lost your captain in, in Catalan. Yeah, but you see what happened to him. I and mean, like I said, him going to Texas shocked me too. You know, we've we've talked about that. But what I want to get to your question of how the team's going to respond. I think Sam Pittman's biggest win was washing the whole coaching staff, the offensive coordinator, defensive. Because it was clearly something going on behind closed doors. Well, half the team probably, you know, the defense was probably mad at Kendall Bryles. Well, you know, this is why we're sucking. The offense was probably like, well, look at the defense. It caused this war between yeah. the offense and the defense. Well, you get rid of both of them. Let's start fresh. Bring in two guys that have worked together, two guys that you can count on that – Sam Pittman puts two guys on defense that have worked together. He can put them on the defensive project where he can he can coach. He don't have to worry about coaching the defensive guy. You're not bringing an up-and-comer. That's In the SEC, in, in the state where Arkansas is at as a program, you cannot – you've got to have somebody that's got some SEC defense experience or right. Big Ten. I mean, somebody who knows how to play defense. Enos, just like I said, He's that guy that was the, the the Barry Odom, the guy that you put on offense that you can trust. You know you've worked with him. He knows how to run an offense. He he's, knows how to mold quarterbacks. And the most important year of K.J.'s year, because I'll tell you what, I, don't, I think if they don't get somebody like Enos, I think K.J. walks. I think if he feels like they bring somebody in that he doesn't feel like he can develop and try to get to that next level, I think he would have went somewhere. I, I either he would have went to TCU with with Browse, but I think that shows the confidence in him bringing in Enos. Because in the, in the end up, we still got to look at our look for, out for ourselves. Yes, we're we're That's loyal to Arkansas, right. and we're we're. But you know what? Loyalty to the college is only going to get you so far because the fans are not going to pay your NFL bills. They're not going to pay your salary. So you need to worry about is is. Staying loyal to this fan base worth me going and potentially losing out on millions of dollars in the NFL. So, I think it's good. I think it was the most important thing when he washed the whole – because there's no division now. 
we're, You're right. we're fresh on both sides. Let's go get it. I think that's I think that was a good job on on Sam Pittman on that. I think these guys all have chips on their shoulders, and that's what I'm going to close on tonight. Is I think these coaches all had chips on their shoulders because a lot of these guys are young guys. They're feisty. They're ready to fight. You look at the Morgan Turner, who was hired as a, t- a tight ends coach. The guys put out maybe seven or eight tight ends to the NFL as a position coach. That is just crazy. Like, that is really good. Like, you just, that's a really good hire. Well, now, look, here's another thing. You bring in like a Luke Haas. Luke. You bring in Luke Haz from from Oklahoma as a freshman tight end. You bring in Shamar Easter, and you you have a you, you show in these guys that you're serious about moving on from Dow Loggins, and and you're moving to a position coach who's put he's he's credible. He's a good he's a good credible name, and and that was a really good hire that you couldn't have done any better. And then Dan Enos, he was a name hire, and and a guy that's put seven eight quarterbacks in the league. And, and you still return your your offensive line coach, and you've got Kenny Guyton, who's built his name on recruiting, a guy that I thought would have followed uh, uh, Kendall Browse to TCU but didn't. Like, Kenny feels confident in Sam in this Arkansas program that, that he can stay here and have a, a really good career and then promote to offensive coordinator one day. Like, that that's, that's the best-case scenario. Like, these guys are hungry. These guys are recruiting – now get the guys in there, put them in the right spots, and win you some ball games. Always stay hungry, and like you say, hustle never sleeps. Right. And outwork everyone. Two points. You brought yes, up sir. a name, Loggins. I think the fact that how the whole Loggins to South Carolina Bryles end up going, there was a lot of people who were like Dad Gummit. Uh, man, if they they would just happen, Loggins could be our offensive coordinator. I think the Eno still when. It's just come to my mind as we were talking. Sam Pittman put out a big fire with that. I think him bringing yeah. in somebody like Enos and how it played out, and he's like, all right, we knew when he went to Mississippi State, we already had Enos in our back pocket ready to go. I got somebody that I can trust just like Odom, like I said. And then when he, when everybody heard that he was flirting with TCU, they just they had his daggum – I think I seen his boxes outside the office at the Broyles Center before he even he even left and got on the plane to go to TCU. Oh yeah, you know. But oh, yeah. I think that was the biggest thing is the fact that if if that would have not happened, just think about the the fan base if you know, and, and they're thinking the the Logans Logans fans, you know, the ones that were wanting him to be those C. He goes to South Carolina and then Bryles pulls this stunt like he did. Now they're left without both of them scrambling, but there's a Sam Pittman. He already knew about it. You ain't going to put nothing by him, and he brings um, Enos in. So I think that's very good. And another thing with the Guyton, just like Kendall Bryles and having quarterbacks two years in a row, now he's got two receivers that he can continue to mold and got his quarterback. So this you talking about somebody wanting to move up. You're talking about that chip on his shoulder. This is going to be his year. So, if if we see Hazelwood and Landers really progress as wide receivers. They won't, they won't be here see, next, next year, Porter. 
Why is it saying they're, that they're uh, still on the roster though? That's what I'm getting. I'm, I was yeah, looking they, at the roster. They haven't updated the spring okay. roster. They'll yeah, they'll update right. the spring roster right. on the first day of spring practice. Sorry to interrupt yeah, you, but yeah, no, Hazelwood Hazelwood is okay. already gone and Landers can't come back. That's right. But you've got a you've got a Andrew Armstrong, uh, uh, Isaac Tesla, yes. and a bunch like Isaiah Satan. You've got a lot of guys coming back uh, this season and transferring in that that Kenny Guyton's recruited. That can be really good players at the wide re- wide receiver position. Yeah, they need to update their roster because <laughs> I mean I'm looking at 23. I thought you said something about yeah. that earlier. I'm like, no, nah, he didn't yeah, say that. I did because I'm looking at the daggum roster. Shame <laughs> on you, Arkansas. Oh, you know, the daggum Lord. SID over there uh, is getting but, going. Yeah, I really liked what you said about the whole brawls and, and logging things because you, you Sam Pittman has done a good job this is the first time he's really had to have the adversity of of cleaning cleaning uh his slate he goes out there and gets guys that are proven assistant coaches guys that have been around the block and i like what mason Schultz shared on twitter the other day during the uh the the national signing day press conference where he introduced enos and and that that, that's what came to my mind is yeah when i heard browse is going to uh uh, uh, Mississippi State, uh, I probably spent 10 minutes find him off in Squater, called Dan Enos up. No, it's maybe five. No, it's probably three minutes that I, that I picked up my phone, called Enos and said, it's your job, buddy. <laughs> Browse is gone. And 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 in and basically the snap of a finger, Sam Pittman had his offense coordinator. And that goes back to the, confirming the fact of what he said in his opening press conference is my phone has not stopped ringing since I took this job of assistant coaches wanting to come to Arkansas with me. That's good. And 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 he's still showing that right now is that these coaches around the country are still wanting to come work for Sam Pittman or with Sam Pittman, not work for him, because I don't think that's Sam Pittman's mindset. His mindset is coming here and working with him. Yeah, that and it will. I'll see it all play out. Now, like I said, that was my bad on that, and I know that I, I should have known that, and it just slipped my line looking at the roster. It's all good, man. It's uh, we got a long ways to go till next season, so hopefully we can you know get them in there and get. But the depth's going to be the biggest issue, and I know there's going to be a lot of naysayers. But here, here's the deal: How about we go into the season with no expectations? We've always went into these seasons with all these expectations of eight and nine. Let's just let them do work and see how things play out. You know, yeah. no expectations. That dawning four I mean, that just sticks out to me. Holy crap. That just really sticks yeah. out to me. But. Uh, we, I also forgot to add, uh, I talked about the offensive commitments real quick. I know we got to shut it down. But uh, there was Al, 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 Al Walcott. I'll call him that. I know he doesn't like to be – I don't think it's, it's Al, but it's uh, Alpha Rim Walcott. Defensive back transfer from Baylor. And then another one, uh, LaRondo Snacks Johnson, who's also a defensive back from Baylor. Now you have four credible defensive backs in uh, Nudie. You have one guy on one side named Nudie and the other one called Snacks. Like, you you can't beat that. All you right. have Ladarius Bishop coming back. Yeah. Yeah, you got Walcott coming in. You've got Bishop coming back. You've got Snacks coming in. McLaughlin, Nudie McLaughlin there. Like, that is a really solid group of four rotational corners. And I think Arkansas is going to be able to improve their pass defense. And then you have Deke Adams, whose defensive line led 
uh, almost led the country in sacks this past year. Like, what are they going to do as far as pressuring the quarterback? Because you've got uh, the John Morgan give coming from Pitt, who's really good. You've got Landon Jackson back for another year. You've got uh, Zach Williams. You've got Eric Gregory. You have all these pieces on the defensive line that had been there for a while and stuck it out. Like, are, how good are they going to be? That is that is so intriguing to me, and I can't wait for spring practice. I think spring practice is like March, either March 7th or March 15th or something like that. I have to look it up, but it's somewhere around that area uh, within that week that they start. I can't wait because I love spring ball. It's overreacting, overreacting season. Uh, but really, I'm excited to see what these new guys have for us. Well, that will will do it for this episode. Tomorrow night, we have a special guest lined up for the weekly women's sports report. We got the first lady of Arkansas basketball, Danielle Musselman, coming on. We're going to talk about a bunch of the causes that she's got going on, the advocacy, uh, the state of the women's programs there at Arkansas. It's going to be a really fun show. Plus, we have a big announcement sponsorship-wise. I'm going to say sponsorship-wise because I kind of put a, uh, a teaser tweet out there and People kind of run with uh, Nick Smith Jr. coming back, so I do, you know, I, I correct myself. So a uh, couple of big announcements coming up within the next month when it comes to our sponsors and what we got lined up for this show and, and the, the women's part of the show. And the, we're going to have a lot of baseball coverage coming up between Cabo and our good buddies Phil and, and, and Bubba. So we're going to keep you really in tune, probably bring Mason on to talk some uh, baseball as well. So – it's going to be an interesting fall uh, with all the uh, the spring sports coming on. So, But tomorrow night, cannot wait for that to kick off. That's going to be around 6 o'clock tomorrow evening. So, But for myself, Porter Hayes, Jacob Davis, this has been an episode of the Hog Talk Podcast, and we will catch you tomorrow night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.